Welcome to your Sports Needle Podcast. Do it again. Fuck. Again? Was it bad? Yeah, do it again. Welcome to your Sports Needle Podcast. Sports. What is sports? Well, what does it mean to us, really, is what I want to say. Because when sports got canceled, right, back in end of March, I remember that day clearly. It was a Wednesday, I think it was. When Rudy Gobert tested positive, <clears throat> NBA said they were suspending the season. Thunder, I think, they didn't even walk on, they walked on the court, then they walked off. It was um, a pretty dramatic event, to be honest, because we've been hearing about the corona for weeks. I mean, I even went to see the Fed Cup with uh, my guys um, in February, right? And there was supposedly the first case of corona in America, down in, up in Everett, I mean. And it wasn't a big deal then, but then, you know... You hear the shutdown, you see Mark Cuban's face, the reaction that I think that perfectly captures the moment of just amazement, I guess, shock. Um, unsure what to do, what it's, where he's going to go from from there. And from there, everything just spiraled down to where we are today. The next day at school, you see, I see, I'm following my, on Instagram most of the day, trying to figure out what's happening. You see Kansas and Duke, they're saying they're not going to play in the tournament, I think it was them. And then some conference tournaments are getting canceled, right, because we're having the champ week going on at that time. And that was pretty that was sad. Uh, it kind of made me happy that even if you dub one against Arizona, they wouldn't have been able to play. So I guess, but still, I, I wanted some basketball, man. I was hyped for March Madness. I was really worried about that. I see NHL gets canceled, MLS gets canceled. I was hoping to go to opening date the next Friday to Mariners baseball. That gets postponed. Then at uh, 1:55, we get the news on my phone, Bleacher Report saying, "Hey, tournament's canceled. No basketball. No NCAA." That that was crushing. Literally less than a minute later, we get the news on the intercom that Jay Ainsley is ordering the um, suspension of school for, I think, the next 30 days. And I remember walking out of that school thinking, hey, this might be my last time walking through. Just leaving. It's done. And that's uh, how it ended up to be. Um, next few days, it's just kind of surreal, you know? No one's really... Nothing's happening. No one's really worried about this thing yet. I mean, it's just a bunch of unknown. All the news is going off. All the media all the sports there's nothing to watch i'm just watching espn because that's what i do in my free time and it's just all corona stuff man it, it just gets to your head and um that's how it was over the next months and that's why when i had this idea to start this podcast was just really because i want to get back and talking about sports because i missed it it's an integral part of my life is an integral part of a lot of people's lives because what is sports right sports is consistency whenever stuff is rough for us we just go turn on a game um it's always there your team's always going to be fighting for you. They're, even the Mariners, uh, especially Seattle fans, through the struggles, we can still root for our guys. I'm still motivated. I love to see them play. They still give us moments of joy. You know, Felix, no-hitter. Combined no-hitter. Iwakuma, the Paxton no-hitter. All these stuffs. Always moments of joy for us. To see your guys out there fighting. It's nothing like sports, you know. Just being a fan. There's nothing like it. And so we wanted to try to bring that feeling back. And also the same thing is I'm missing that inspiration from my life. You see these stories of these guys like MJ getting cut from his um, basketball team in high school. You hear about that Cleveland Browns receiver who was homeless making the practice squad. All these kinds of stories, man, of people overcoming difficult situations. Just like, hey, what am I doing with my life? I, I got these opportunities. Let's make the most of it because these guys out here, they're doing it. And it's just inspirational and just there for you during tough times. So that's what we want to try to bring back. But... 
As we've done our first two episodes of our podcast, we've realized that we can't just be reporting the news, especially now as stuff is going on. More stuff's coming back. ESPN, through the pros, they've got the insider stuff. We can't do that. We're just not experts enough to provide you news reporting that's interesting. So what we want to do more is shift this podcast. We're trying to do a revamp of it. We're going to keep bringing on our sports stars, sports guests, um, sports fans who are um, popular sports fans like comedians or other sports podcasters and stuff like that. We're going to try to get them on, do interviews. But we want to try to relax it up. We're going to ask serious questions to our sports dudes um, and other people just to learn about how they got into the position they are now because that's interesting. I'm just, as a sports person, I want to know. Or as a person in general, I want to know their story. But we also want to make this more conversational, more fun. We're going to introduce some interesting philosophical questions and stuff, random stuff. Um, Because really, we're just trying to provide some entertainment for you during this tough time. And we're going to try and make our sports sections more entertaining, more personal. We're going to try to share about our lives and try to let you get to know us. Because we're trying to share sports from our perspective. And the best way to do that is to make it personal from our view. Um, Next week, we'll have Nathaniel coming back. We're going to be adding Isaiah to the sports podcast. And... We're going to be making moves. Give us our feedback. We really love our support. And we just want to make this entertaining for you. So especially your feedback is key to make it uh, entertaining for you guys. And uh, with that said, let's launch into episode three. Hey, Drew, cue the beat. Welcome to your Sports Needle Podcast. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, who lost his voice, yeah? Alright, um, that's it. Bye, yeah. <laughs> suddenly I feel like, okay, I- I'm here. I-, I arrived. Zverev, Alex Zverev is 1 million percent better than Dominic Team. Yeah, Alex, don't like Zverev, he's not nice. No, <laughs> no he's okay, he's okay. He always, uh, you know. I think we're going to leave a mark on Seattle Mariners history. Uh, I wanted to... Uh, beat the world with tennis and I did so I had that a little bit so I had that like a cheekiness and, uh, you know what I will lose but I will win I will beat you the next time this is the sports deal all right welcome everybody this is um round two of recording actually because uh I messed up um we recorded an amazing episode with K-Stan, our guest here today um, at from Western Washington University, and I didn't download the audio. So, take two. Drew is currently eating breakfast because um, he thought we finished. Hopefully, we'll have him back on soon. K-Stan, how are you feeling for round two? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the audience uh, doesn't know that I got super embarrassed last time. I compared Muggsy Bogues to like Air Bud, so you know I'm <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for the salty run back. Yeah, so K Stan is in a lucky position. He actually got zero on the quiz show. And now he gets to go again, because we don't have that audio. It actually never happened. Um Yeah. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. It life, was all a dream. Life is a dream. Uh so let's get started with our favorite sports topic of the day. What we already talked about in the last recording that we are going to talk about now. And it is time. Let's talk about time. How do you feel about time, Jason? Time. Uh, take it or leave it. Uh, the real issue with time is that, you know, it kind of doesn't exist in a quarantine. That is true. Because time is relative and in a quarantine, there is no time because there are no sports. Because the highlights of a sports fan's week are 
the sports, and that's what the time is planned around. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, from now until July 27th and 28th, when there's baseball and football, or not football, um, and basketball, every day is every day, and every day is yesterday. That's straight. How would you characterize your time as um, from between, uh, what was it, March uh, 17th, maybe? I don't know. When did you get kicked out of Western? Um, I got kicked out of Western uh, right at the end of winter quarter, so like February-ish. All right. And to clarify, it was because of the quarantine. The damn COVID. Yeah, so it, it hit right in the middle of our spring break, so... Uh, they just said, don't bother coming back. Uh, we'll just take your money and leave. Hey, that's what we like. <laughs> Business, capitalism. Um, and how did your spring quarter go online classes? Um, you know, pretty good. I passed all my classes. I got a couple of, I got a couple of A's too. Hey. So I, you know, they, they make you take them all pass fail, but you can choose to have a grade. That's pretty good, man, because from everyone I'm talking to is they're going to have to retake all their spring classes. But we got Case down here. That's why he's on the show, because he's a stud <sighs> popping off. That's right. Um, How do you do on uh, Basketball History 101? Uh, uh, terrible. Uh, once again, I forgot what the Supersonics were called. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, back in those days, man, those good old days when Airbud was on the Supersonics. Yeah, man. Playing uh, Airbud. <laughs> Airbud dunking on MJ and Gary Payton, you know, also the same height as Airbud stealing everything. I was, um, you seen the Last Dance documentary? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Well, man, I was just, I, I was delaying it because, you know, I knew it was going to be a long haul with sports gone. So I was like, hey, when this realization hits that, like, there's nothing here and it kind of hit recently, I'm, I need something to watch. So I saved that up. And I turned on the last uh, the couple episodes. I'm on episode four or five right now, right? And um, you know, MJ's got a chip on his shoulder, man. He turns anything into everything, right? Yeah, man. So um, there's this specific incident, right? He's at the gym. He's shooting with this dude before the playoff game, and um, this guy says, "Nice game, MJ." And you know what he did? He took that personal. So what he did was the next day he went out. He scored. As many points as the other dude did in the whole game, last game, he scored that in the first half. He scored 46 in the first half. That's right. Because that dude was trashing on him. You know, he was saying, nice game, NJ. What kind of guy says that? Yeah, man. No, it was a nice game. It was a bad game. Yeah. Um. You know what the funny thing is? What? It never happened. The dude never said, nice game. Oh. Shots fired. Um. My point is, I got a point here. Um. I kind of forgot where I was going. I'm I'm gonna be MJ. No one congratulated <laughs> me for my last performance, and uh, now I'm I'm here to dunk. Yeah. Oh, my point is that K-Stan said nice game at the end of the last podcast, so that's why I actually deleted it and didn't download it, and that's why we're doing this again. Yeah, um, exactly. No. Oh, my point was that Airbud, Airbud did the same thing, and that's why the Sonics lost to um, uh, the Bulls when they went to the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was my point. Um, moving on. Let's see here. We got five minutes in. D Biggie is still MIA. D Biggie was popping off in the last episode, so I'm sorry. Um, he also said nice game, so I'm not sorry. That's why we kicked him off. Uh, yeah. did you hear about the, uh, tennis thing? No, I didn't hear about the tennis thing. Okay, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, best guess. What do you think happened? Um, someone threw up in a tennis match. Um, 
Wow, noteworthy. That's not what happened. Okay, what's we that? We have our boy. Do you know who Djokovic is? Yeah. Okay, clean. K-Stan is an intellectual. Um, He put on this tournament, right, in Serbia with his boys. He invited his boys over, I think, like 10 dudes. Mm-hmm. And um, so Serbian restrictions because of the corona is not that high because they're chilling, you know? They're just... They're just being Serbs in they're Serbia. They're being Serbs. They're living their best life. It's not like in the Western world, you know? You feel me? Yeah, they're chilling. And so they're putting on this tournament. They're giving hugs. They're uh, doing backflips. No, they're not doing that. But they got their fans packed in. You know, after the tournament ended, the first leg of the tournament, they're out. They're at the club, you know. They're living it up, doing the, doing the, uh, the what do you call it, the floss. They're doing their... Uh, their uh, whips and nays and all that good stuff. You Someone did me? the default dance. They got yeah. kicked out of the club. <laughs> yeah. And um, turns out a couple days later, um, this dude's got COVID. And turns oh, out man. a couple days later, Jokovic's got COVID. Oh, and it no. turns out like eight of the dudes on the tourney got COVID. I mean, you, you play with fire. <laughs> play with fire. You got to eat it. Yeah, man. That's the lesson here. And um, that's what he did. And... Uh, what is it? People are kind of trashing on him. I don't know if you know who Nick Kyrgios is. Yeah, I know. I know Kyrgios. Hey, you know the legend? You know um, when he threw the water ball at the... Or, I mean, he uh, accidentally let go of the water ball and it slammed into the ump's uh, chair? Yeah, accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. Um, That guy's a G. And um, he's actually the voice of reason right now in tennis, so that's kind of funny. I like that guy now. Oh, the bad boy's the, the voice of reason now. What a, <laughs> yeah, he's, um, what a face turn. He's calling out Djokovic. He's, he's being a good boy, man. He's staying he's staying in quarantine. He's wearing a mask while he's playing. No, he's not actually doing that. But um, he's playing by himself. He's chilling. He's like Trevor Bauer now. Yeah, he's taking showers. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a shower in the background for all you who don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I just really feel the need to be clean sometimes. Yeah, we gotta keep this podcast clean. Um, because our past two episodes have been explicit. We gotta keep it clean with K-Stan. Yeah, family friendly. That's what We're changing the podcast name. It's no longer the sports name. Let's, um, uh, keeping it clean with K-Stan? That's yeah, a good name. Uh, yeah, no more, uh, no more sports needles. No more references to needles. <laughs> um, what else we got going here? Uh, we got two minutes left on the intro. What do we want to talk about? Uh, the the back to MLS uh, tournament. Oh yeah, we got a tourney coming up. Um, I think it's next week. I yeah, hit up like uh, Alex Roland. July eighth. Oh, yeah. you actually? I hit him up on Insta. I hit up Christian Roland. I hit up um. That's who I hit up. Cause that's the dude I played with on FIFA 2016. Oh damn, yeah. that's cool. He's my guy. With um, who was the other um? What does he play? He plays like what center mid, right? Yeah. Yeah, who was there before? Some dude, he, he played for the Sounders before Roldan was um, the main guy. Uh, Ozzy Lonzo. Yeah, Ozzy. Yeah, he got pissed off on my MLS uh, simulation. He requested a trade. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happened in real life. Yeah, so... um. All you fans out there, Ozzy Alonso is no longer with the Sounders, in case you weren't keeping track. He's not going to be playing in the tournament for them. Um, go Hell sound. if I know who he plays for now. I think it's the Magic. I don't know if that's the soccer team. <laughs> that a soccer team? <laughs> He's, I, I think that's like a G League team. <laughs> no, it's a basketball team. It's, uh, it's yeah. I, but I, thought, I thought there was a Magic team for uh, MLS. But, um... 
Yeah, we got the play. We got the we got the playoffs coming up. We got a conquer calf spot on the line. K Stan, hot pick. Who's gonna win? Uh, sorry. What? Which one? Who's winning? The, uh, who's winning the tourney? Oh, Sounders, obviously. Obviously, obviously not the Galaxy. No, fuck them. The Galaxy aren't even good. Keeping it clean with K Stan. Um. Oh, sorry. I said the fuck it. Oops. Uh. Uh, delete the episode. Uh, good game. Uh. Yeah, we'll be taking take three shortly, and um, we'll be delaying this for uh, indefinitely until, until um. I have to go to breakfast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for real? No, I'm fucking with you. Okay, okay. Uh, I was scared. Yeah, that's where Drew is. Um, everybody, please message us. Uh, Drew also reads our Instagram comments, so please flame him for, for being Drew. Yeah. Uh, don't make fun of his last name. That would be a horrible thing to do. Yeah, that would be. We don't condone that. Ex- I mean, like, we would for Drew. We we would like, chuckle, but we don't condone it. Yeah, overall, no. Um, Moving forward, let's talk about uh, 18U baseball. Yeah, okay. Big news here. You want to break it? I think you should. No, are, are we talking about the, the big Drew's third-placed... Uh, in we're Idaho. About, we're talking about the big news, man. The ESPN. Oh, okay. Well, uh, just pretend I don't know. No, but you do. Wink. Wink. The fans want to hear from you because you're our guest. Okay, we'll pretend I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Drew Biggerstaff playing for the... I don't know what his team is. Um, He, he made a long trek over to Idaho. Yeah, Drew Biggerstaff. And um, he uh, he's a he's a he's a chunky catcher, and um, he was batting leadoff, and he was also oh no no so what happened was he was in the dugout right. You still here, K Stan? Oh dang! Come on, K Stan. Your audio okay? Brief interlude right now. Do 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 um yeah uh finally finally good you know mugsy bogues just came over and beat the shit out of me <laughs> yeah that, that's good that's good stuff man um hope hope that was fun he's five two but he fights like he's seven two <laughs> i just i just couldn't i couldn't do anything <laughs> oh. hey d biggie is back the audio might be really bad so it's uh, okay me... um we're just closing out the segment we're gonna hit off with our um Top news, right? Uh, let's get back into it. So yeah, D. Biggie was down in Idaho, um, playing for the what's your team, Drew? Mercedes Benz. Yeah, he's playing for the Mercedes Benzers, and um, he had <laughs> his that's boy a luxury vehicle. He, he had his boy. Um, I don't even know his name was. I think his name's J.J. Watt at the plate. Yep. And um, so Drew's in the dugout, right? He's on the uh, um reserve, injured reserve. So um, he's he's playing he's playing the trash cans. <laughs> he hits trash can. J.J. Watt hits a home run. And um, then they kick him out of the league. So Drew's back here. Um, welcome back, Drew, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what else? What else is going on in sports? Um, oh, let's talk about curling. Curling, right? Um, of course. Western Washington I- University curling team. Yeah, Western Washington University curling team wins it all every year. Uh, we're a D2 school, but we offer a really good scholarship, so we recruit a bunch of D1 players. Fun fact, there is no curling center in the state of Washington. Yep, it is. 
it's quite sad actually our curling team has to make do with uh, a bunch of ice they get out of the student dining hall <laughs> it is a tragedy um also that launches perfectly into our next topic of um our curling fund so me and um this other dude named grant um we were planning on starting a curling fund last year our guy at our pretzel truck local pretzel truck he uh supported it one of our customers a stud man he um is a g he bought a pretzel he said he would support the pretzel truck or not the pretzel truck the curling t- uh rink so we're gonna go ahead and fund it drew um you are on board with that it's part of your contract as being part of the podcast all your college funds are going to it case dan you're dropping out and um so we're gonna start that I did not agree to this. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's in the contract. What do you... Uh, yep, I'm, I agree with it. Um, so with that said, uh, make sure to check out our curling rink. Um, I think it's called... Um, what's it called? It's called Keeping It Clean with K-Stand Curling Arena. Yeah, that's right. And um, coming soon, next uh, next year, down in uh, Bristol Bay, Connecticut. It's going to be an all-purpose curling ring. We're going to have dumbbells, and we're going to have ice. Yeah, and snow. Shaved ice? Yeah, but you have to eat it. Yeah, okay. obviously, you gotta have the shaved ice. Okay. And with that said, we're gonna launch into our um very intense interview with Motway Coop, number 30, ranked, uh, he reached a high of rank 30 in the doubles circuit of the professional tennis league. That's not how you say it, but we're not gonna redo that. And um, he's currently ranked number 62. Uh... Amazing story. This guy came uh, up struggling in singles and then made that life-changing decision to switch to doubles. The man beat Federer in five sets in the Davis Cup, so just give it a listen. All right, we're going to welcome our guest for this week, Mr. Motway Middlecoff. Just to introduce you, you're a professional tennis player, double specialist, reaching a right. um, top 30th ranking in the world at uh, your highest. Yes. And is there anything... Else, you just want to say to introduce yourself to people of Seattle? Well, um, I've been around um, top fifty for about five five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, started uh, playing doubles when I was thirty one, so pretty late. And uh, yeah, I, as 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 the best result in America, um, I played quarterfinal US Open, which is pretty good, I think, and it's also recognizable for people of Seattle that they know what is US Open and yeah. It's a, it's a big tournament, so yeah, that was one of my n- nicest uh, results, I would say. So yeah. Okay, so yeah, so what we want to do today is uh, since there's not a big tennis scene tournament wise in Seattle, I don't, don't right. know if you know, because was actually I think the first professional match was played this year at the um, Fed Cup, which I was lucky to be able to go see. That was amazing. But what I want to ask you to start off is, so you start off your career in the ITF futures mainly for singles. Yeah, so uh, when I was uh, 16, 17, maybe even earlier, I started to play Futures, uh, which is like the lowest of the lowest tournaments. And in my time, there were even satellites. And satellites were like four weeks in a row that you had to play. So you couldn't just play one tournament, you had to play four weeks. And I can tell you, those tournaments were not on the best places in the world, I can assure you. (laughs) So that was an absolute grind. Um, But that grind actually learned me to, you know, to solve the problems and operate by myself and, and, and actually make me stronger. Um, learn to uh, deal with money. 
which I didn't have at that time. So, you know, it was a big school, like a, a learning, you know, to, to get yourself out there and be an adult uh, way faster than I would in, be in normal life. So that helped me greatly. Yeah. So I want to work it back. So you started up, you grew up in the Netherlands. Right. When did you start playing tennis? So, um, yeah, I was born in Leerdam, which is a small city in Holland, in the middle of the country. My mom is Russian, my father is Dutch, uh, and I started to play. I got my first racket when I was four, I guess, and I got a soccer ball because soccer is really popular in Holland, and I also got a racket, and then I just picked up the racket more often than the football play, uh-huh. the football, and then I uh, started to um, uh, hit some balls on the, on, the, on the garage wall. We had a big garage wall, and then I started to and I made some targets, right? And then I'm trying to hit the targets, aiming for the targets, and then volleying in the targets. And there I try to somehow, you know, uh, generate some some talent and, and some skill, you know? And it's getting better and better. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should pick this up and, and really go for this, this sport. Uh, and at one point, my mom bought me like a poster of, uh, of Stefan Edberg on uh, Wimbledon. I was like, wow. Who's that guy? You know, I want to be him. I want to be on Wimbledon. I want to. I want to be famous. I want to be strong, and I want to be good in tennis. And and so I did. And then I decided to. Uh, when I was eleven, twelve, I decided to go pro uh, and leave my home basically. And I left my home to go to uh, another place uh, close to Eindhoven, which is another, uh, which is in the south of Holland. And I was there like a university. I stayed there for my school, for my training and also i stayed with other parents uh yeah so that was a big decision on such a young age yeah, but um, sure. i never regret it because uh, it, it made me who i am now yeah how do you think you were able to make that decision with such a weight at that young of an age um well uh, as, as a person i'm always uh, looking for that challenge even when i was younger and i'm still doing now uh, and, and in that moment, I felt like, hey, I'm always better than the other guy next to me, you know, and I'm always winning and I'm like, I'm talking about really young, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so uh, that, that felt good. And, and, and I want to test myself, like, how, how good can I be? Uh, yeah. And then my, my parents supported me uh, financially and also uh, with um, motivation and also like, hey, you can do it and, and, and you, we give you anything you need. <laughs> In order that you can follow your dreams, so I was really lucky with my parents because some people can want to, you know, go for their dreams, but they don't have the money or the parents to do so. And I was really lucky. Um, and I decided, you know what? What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, like okay, I will fail. So what? That's that's the school too. That's that's our learning point too. Now, yeah, I was really young and to to do it, and uh, I think I did make the right choice. Uh, but <laughs> to 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 go from one side of Holland to another side of Holland uh, when you're 12 years you know different people different culture different even kind of language they have different there I was like wow what's this and so I was like not happy the first half year I was crying a lot <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I was practicing cruel hours like five six six hours a day you know like that was that was that was a lot uh, at that young age was your parents were they big sports fans were they tennis players <laughs> Yeah, well, my father always played uh, football on the local, pretty lo- okay level, you know. Like, um, and my mom is always they, she was from the old Soviet Union, so they had to learn um, sports that was like um, included in their 
uh, in their schools. Um, so they, she had to learn skiing, uh, playing chess, athletics, all these kind of things. And my mom was really a, a sporty woman. Woman, and also mental wise, you know, she was like the Russian style. You know, you know, yes, like push it, you know, yeah. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> uh-huh. that definitely and my father was more like you know, like Dutch style. So you know, um, in, um, uh, don't take too much risk, maybe you know. But so my father was the other side a little bit, but my mom always won that argument. <laughs> okay, and then, so once you moved over and you were professional, right? Were you playing? You were playing mainly singles still. Yes, I was uh, fo- totally focusing on singles. I, 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 I think I wasn't even aware that there was doubles. Anyways, I was always, um, I was always locked in to to become the best single player I could be. Um, uh, when I was, and then I start to uh, also win nationally. So I start to win uh, the uh, the junior till sixteen. I was number one in the in, in Holland, and then also till eighteen, I won again national championship. So that put me on the map, in, uh, and 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 the federation picked on me, so like if I like picked me and to you know to travel. Um, and that was that was good. That was a good start. Um, and, and I decided really soon already that you know what. <laughs> Uh, I can either go for, to play junior tournaments internationally or go straight to futures and, and satellites. And I chose the second option because I didn't want to waste time. I just want to go straight in action. So yeah, that's what I did. And at that time, when you were practicing, were you was it all tennis focused or were you mixing up with some weight training stuff? To be honest, I I, I, I had a really rough uh, practice. Uh, so there was uh, so you started at seven o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock. <laughs> Uh, then I go to school, uh, school until two around, and then I had three to five tennis again, and from five thirty, three or seven, like I, that was uh, like physical, uh, so that was really rough. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. Um, uh, but I had to, you know, I had to make the difference, and 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 also I had when I was fifteen, sixteen, I also did uh, taekwondo, which was a uh, like a martial art. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the European Championship at that time, so I was pretty good at that too. Uh, and before that, I did also a little bit of uh, of uh, soccer, but um, yeah, eventually I had to choose uh, for tennis, obviously. And uh, yeah, I had to put a lot of tennis hours in it. Yeah. When you're putting in all those hours, is there ever a point where you're just getting frustrated with the game and stop loving it, or you're always yeah. focused? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm a, I'm still a human being, you know. So you push yourself, but the the result of that is that you're feeling uh, um, sometimes afraid of the result or uh, like what I'm doing now you know is that is this the right choice that I'm doing um, uh, God I don't ha- I don't have a youth you know people are going out and having fun me not you know like all these questions uh, popping up and whoa, that was a really rough <laughs> I can tell you but uh, I, I you know I stick to what I knew and what and and I stick to what I chose for. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. But yeah, I had some good moments, but also rough moments that um, I was not professional at all. And I start to understand what uh, what's going out is, and I starting to go out with girls, and you know, and and, and that was a rough time as well. But um, also, um, I believe that uh, you cannot always go straight up this line. You know, you always also have to make mistakes, and I uh, made plenty. Yeah. Okay. And so then let's move a little bit forward, right? So right. you're on the ITF Futures Tour. You're playing singles. You're doing... Um, how do you feel you were doing it for your first match? Let's go through your first match. God, that's a long time ago. <laughs> Jesus. That must be like 20 years ago, man. <laughs> I wasn't even alive then, man. <laughs> no, no. 
Oh god, I feel old. Um, well, uh, the first match, I, I think I still uh, know it. It's, it was in Holland. It was a satellite, I think. And I played against a British guy, I think. Uh, I lost that one. Um, but um, I was a bit arrogant that, you know what, I lost this one. But I knew already, like, give me a year and I will beat you. You know, that that's yeah. how I was a little bit. Um, uh, uh, I also think you need a little bit of uh, good arrogance, you know, in a good way. Because that keeps you also strong and alive and, and believing in yourself. That confidence you need. If you don't have confidence in yourself, you, you will not survive in, in, in the game of sport or in the game of tennis. So I had that a little bit. So I had that, like, a cheekiness. You know, you know what? I will lose, but I will win. I will beat you the next time. Um so yeah, uh, slowly but surely, I start to uh, play more futures, uh, start to qualify, and then in two thousand one, I think I took my first point, the first ATP point in Israel, which was uh, which was a huge success because it's always a tough thing to do to make your first ATP point. Every player wants that first ATP point. Now it's so important. <laughs> it's like so stressful. And I had to play a guy who played for his first board like 20 times and never made it. So he was so tight that uh, he couldn't win anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was fun to uh, to win that first match. And uh, that put me on the map of professional tennis. Uh, and that gave me confidence to uh, to pursue uh, the single career. Yeah. And so then what point did you decide to switch from singles to being a double specialist? Yeah, that's 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 a that's a huge uh, amount of uh, years between, you know, the, the moment that I took my first point, that was 2001. And the moment that I start to uh, switch to doubles was in 2000, uh, uh, 2015. So that's 14 years apart. Wow. Which, okay. yeah, that's a lot. So in the, in the meanwhile, I won like 15 futures, I think. And I was top 200 in singles. So. You know, I was that was not too bad, but no. um, uh, you—that's you, not enough. You know, if you want to make a living out of tennis, you need to be higher than that. So, so you switched because you didn't feel like you could make a living off of it from where you were at, right? You know, you're 31 years and you're playing in futures and 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 in singles, and you're you're not making any money. Uh, that was a rough moment for me uh, in Egypt. That was uh, end of 2014. <laughs> I lost against the first. I lost first round against the Egyptian guy. Thirty-one years, no money. I was like, "Oh my god, I feel terrible." You know, I was like, "What I'm doing?" So I, I was really emotional that moment. I didn't even shower. I went from the court straight to my hotel without showering, crawling up in my bed, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm the worst." But at that moment, um, I, I, I got like an epiphany. You know, like, okay, wait. Uh, I have to, I have to rethink what I have to do now. So I, at that moment. I, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going for doubles. Whatever happens, I'm going for doubles. That moment, I made the choice to myself. I felt so much better. And guess what? The next week in Egypt, I still had to play there. I won a singles tournament and I won a doubles tournament. <laughs> and the week, yeah. So I was like, you know, I, and and the week after, I won the doubles again in Morocco and I made finals in my singles. So that like that that feeling, you know, that that oh, that relief that I had a target for next year. That yeah. was so nice. Um. So uh, and then uh, I decided, okay, January I start. Uh, we'll we'll start with doubles. And then end of 2014, I got in touch with Wesley Kulhoff, you know, my partner that I was uh, like grew up with in doubles. And I he said or I said, listen, let's play. And uh, well, 
we started to play and the rest is history. We we started in January with 350 in the world and we ended top 50 in the world in one year. So life-changing decision. Life-changing decision in every way possible. So before we got to the doubles, right, when you're playing singles, is there any mm-hmm. point you felt you were going to quit? Oh my God, Connor, what is that question? Every tennis player <laughs> thinks 20 times to quit. <laughs> I even think to quit every time I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, like every player uh, thinks about quitting uh, tennis many, many times. Uh, but the, I mean, the real, real quitting times, like um, there are a few now that I was <laughs> dire straits with money or uh, in, uh, one injury that I had for one year. It was pretty tough. Those are the moments that you reconsider your your sport and your and your love. Um, but somehow I always managed to survive and be stronger than uh, than the emotion. It's good. You should write a book. I should write a book, right? That would, that would be good, man. I would read it. I would give it to everyone in here around my school. <laughs> I know you're not the first one to tell me this. I, I mean, I I I made I have so many stories because all these years in in tennis in the futures and satellites that man loads of stories that people actually can use and and even businessmen, you know, like how how to operate by yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, those are the. The basic rules that I that I apply to myself and it worked on me. So yeah, yeah, because I don't know I don't know how many people you've uh, talked with, but I don't think at least in America many people know these stories right from the ITF futures and the changes you had to make and all those decisions. It's more not focused on by the media since they're all on the focused on the top top singles guys. Yeah, well, you are so right in this case, uh, and I believe now I have seen both worlds because I've seen I I I am in the top of the world now with tennis, but I've seen the other side, and I and it's so nice to reflect on both worlds to people, and 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 I'm doing sometimes um, like uh, talking to uh, like a bunch of people, you know, they ask me to come and talk about my life a little bit, and um, not a big group, maybe fifty people, but they're all like entrepreneurs or CEOs of big companies and they want me to talk and I'm talking and then I'm pretty much talking the same way I'm talking to you and they're so like wow that's so inspiring you know like and and they want to know more um, because they can relate to themselves because as an entrepreneur or whatever you know you start your business it never goes upwards always you know it goes all it goes in circles even you know like Um, and that's and that's a good thing. And and also in America, when I'm 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 a lot in the U.S. Of course, I'm at least like ten weeks a year in the U.S. And 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 and, and I love because the U.S. in the way that when I'm saying I'm a sportsman, they love you already. When you say you're playing the U.S. Open, they they, they will never forget. You know, and and that's what I like. And in Holland, we don't have that kind of thing. You know, people say well. What do you do for a job? You know, after after all I'm saying, they you know, they 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 want to know what kind of normal job I have. You know, so uh-huh. in Holland it doesn't, huh. and 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 that's a totally different thing in America. Yes, it's different yeah. culture, sports wise. Very different. That's why I love America. In that case, a lot that if I'm going to America and I have a story, or I can show my skill to someone, you know, and they will appreciate it. They will love it, you know, and 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 that's a good feeling because it's very useful useful information for people, so they can. They can upgrade their own tennis or they can see, hey, you know what? I can do it also because this man can do it, you know? So that's good. That's good. So when you switched to doubles, right, was there a big adjustment? I mean, you've had that instant success, Mm -hmm. but was there a big adjustment in 
strategy-wise, playing-wise, were you trying to be more aggressive at the net? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it, it, I couldn't volley at all. My volley were horrible. My volleys, I, I, I was, I was like hoping, don't play to me, you know, when I was on the net, really. I was like terrible. That's like... But, yeah, it's like you. Well, so there you know how the feeling, you know, it's a terrible feeling. But um, I was really strong in other things. I was a strong uh, baseliner. I was I had a strong serve. I had really good returns. I had, I, I was a leader. I was, you know, I had like a strong energy on court. So I could, I could fill up that gap and, and help my partner, partner. And my partner was really strong at the net. Really creative, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and yeah, so that, that, that helped out each other a lot. And that's why, you know, within a very short period, we won like in that year, 2015, when we started, we won like 12 eight challenger tournaments. Yeah, which is, of course, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it like being on the challenger tour? Was there, is there a special camaraderie that you felt among your players different from the ITF futures that you're oh, doing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's a good question, by the way. Um, yeah. It's, 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 um, it's a huge difference. Um, uh, I will give you a little perspective. Like when you're on the future level, with all the respect, these guys, uh, either juniors they starting or uh, guys who are not or almost there or try to there or, or they have guys that are really long time in futures and and they're just not good enough. <laughs> Uh, but also they're professionally not good enough, and 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 that whole scenery then uh, is not really good. You know, it's like not a professional, mm, not a professional atmosphere. Uh, it was really fun, yes, because uh, but for tennis to go professional, it's not it's not great to be too long in futures as I did. Mm-hmm. So my point, what I'm trying to say is, try to use the futures as your school. But try to get out as fast as possible. The moment you can play challenges, go to challenges. Why? Because the professionality on court, off court, is way higher on challengers. And then uh, you will grow faster as a, as a player too. And some players just get stuck in the futures. It's like a swamp. You know, it will drag you down. And, and, and that's, that's really bad. So we, did you make a lot of friends that you had on the futures tour or was it more you made more professional friends on the challengers tour or was it more just people you met wherever you were going well uh, to be honest the 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 guys that i really loved uh, i met most of the times in the futures um because there were a few guys that i always you know like um because we grew up together for futures to challenges and to atps you know and 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 that's a nice and that's a nice thing the journey the journey yeah the journey that you have together which is really nice and those are the guys that i uh, because they also grew, you know, as as a player and as a whole. Um, and in challengers, um, everything gets more professional. And in ATPs, where I'm now, um, it's really tough to make real, real friends because everybody is their own island. You know, there's a guy with their coaching and their old team. Then there's another guy with his team, and there's another guy with his team. You know, and it's not like before anymore. You know, like yeah, it's more islands. I would say. Gotcha. And then so after you were playing on the Challenger Tour for a couple of years, you started to qualify for the Opens. Like Grand Slam, you mean? Yeah, Grand Slam, my bad, sorry. So, okay, Grand Slam. Uh, in singles or doubles? In, uh, uh, let's go both. Okay, so uh, I played, I was two, top 200 in singles, so uh, I played like... I would say maybe 12, 30 times singles. Um, and I was a few times last round qualies. 
Yeah, one time used open. I was last round quality. I was set up to play Djokovic and I lost last round quality against an Irish guy. And one time I was playing a strain open. Uh, also, uh, I was set up against Victor Troitsky to play Nadal. Oh. Both the way at times. It was pretty horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the first time I played main draw uh, uh, for doubles, that was in 2016. That was a strain open. And I won that my first match against uh, Zhao Souza and uh, Leonardo Meyer. And what was that experience like? Were there uh, was it the most fans you've ever had, or how did? It well, that was uh, to play to play in Grand Slam. You know, I had to play main draw. Man, there's something. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like okay, I love it. Uh, that's a really good feeling. You, got, um, you have a bunch of nerves going. Uh, not really. Uh, I was like, I'm just pumped. So yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm just doing this, and I'm I, I'm good enough to do it. So I'm just going, and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, but the the moment I was more nervous was the in 2015 when I started to play doubles in September. I had to play uh, Davis Cup against Federer. Oh well, yeah, that was a little that was a little bit more exciting and like whoa, okay. <laughs> Half year before I was always quitting tennis, you know. So I chose to play doubles, and now I'm playing against number one in the world to doubles uh, in his home in his country, playing Davis Cup for my country and and beating him in five sets. You know, that was like okay, that was a turning point in my life. <laughs> and what was that like? I mean, just when you're out there, you're playing against Feather. It's in was it in Switzerland? Yeah, in Geneva. Yeah, and you know the whole crowd's. I'm guessing going for him. Yeah, pretty and, much. <laughs> yeah. So at that time, right, you see yourself. You're winning. You're playing the guest yeah. best player in the world. How right. do you feel? Um. Well, you can imagine how I felt. Like I was. Uh, uh, well, there were, there were two things that was happening. So the, before the match, um, we were always talking as a team, like uh, we because we all love Federer and we have so much respect for him. And everybody was like, hey, listen, if you have a ball that you have to hit through him, because in doubles you have to go through sometimes, you know, just because that's the only way to win a point, would you hit Federer? And everybody was like, well, I'm not sure. And I was like, yeah, of course I would, you know, because he's just another opponent. <laughs> So actually on the match, somewhere in the fourth set, there was a moment that I couldn't go anywhere else except through Roger. So I go full power forehand on his leg. And and that noise was so hard. And then everybody whistled at me like full power, the whole stadium against me. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, I was like, I felt so bad, you know? And I was like, cry shouting and screaming and, and, and whistling to me. I was like, God, this is the end of the of my life, you know. Like, <laughs> but Roger was so cool about it. He was like, No, don't worry, man. It's all part of the game. Um, and then, and then, and then that match, uh, we won the first set. Uh, I believe it was six four, and then we lost uh, two uh, tough sets. And then the fourth set, I start to feel amazing. I start to feel like I'm flying. I start to feel like you know what, my body is there, but my mind is seeing everything, you know, from upstairs. And I was like. And I couldn't miss anymore. Gunnar, I, I couldn't miss anymore. And I was like, because the first three sets, I would believe Timo, my partner at the time, was playing much better than me. But then I, after the fourth or fifth set, I couldn't miss anymore. Every return was a winner. And then we won like 6-3 and 6-2 in the end. And uh, I remember the moment that we won. And my father was there in the, in the stands, uh, very high. And, you know, and he was like screaming and, 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 and waving to me. And, uh, and then I, uh, after the match, you know, and I, I, I went to my father, running to my father, and, and, and I hugged him, and that was the best feeling in my life. 
Would you say that beating your, your beating your sorry beating your <laughs> idol at that moment? Um, uh, had a huge problem with my career, and then suddenly. I'm playing Federer, beating him in five sets, playing for my country, um, feeling I was just gonna, top, I, I just got top hundred in doubles, and all these things came together, you know. And suddenly I feel like, okay, I, I'm here. Yeah. I, I arrived at the, uh, you know, where I should be, or I, where I felt I should be. Right? You made that right decision. Uh, how many years yeah. ago it was? Yeah. So all these emotions from all these freaking years before, you know, like all the struggling and whatever. <laughs> Would you say that's your happiest or your proudest moment on the from tennis, or would it be the quarterfinals with the U.S. Open? Um, well, I think that moment uh, sums it all up. That you know, I had such a tough rate to, to to achieve it because I was thirty-one. Come on, you know, most people already stopped playing tennis. Yeah, and I just I was I had so much perseverance, and I, I wanted to um, beat the world with tennis, and I did. So yeah. that moment was like. I would say the number one, um, but then of course, um, soon after I, I start to win a lot of tournaments. I uh, until now I won. Uh, I'm now uh, nine ATP tournaments. I won nine. Wow! Yeah, that's a lot. You know, which in a, is, yeah, which in in a short period uh, yeah. I won nine, which is which is which is pretty good. Uh, but I would say yeah, the second biggest victory was uh, to become um, a quarterfinalist in U.S. Open. Uh, uh, losing a very close match on the on the Louis Armstrong arena. That was also very nice to play there. Yeah. And now you're getting ready for the U.S. Open coming up. Uh, right. How do you feel about that with everything going on? Um, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, I wish uh, I wish we wouldn't play. Uh, uh, not that I don't want that people enjoy tennis, but. <laughs> I feel they try to press it so much to 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 put it on the map and and, and let everybody play and I don't think it's really nice because um, some people cannot travel to the tournament which gives a wrong competition because some people can defend the points some not um, the the tournament is getting smaller so less people can play um, yeah and and still they get awarded points which I don't understand so there's a lot of question marks that I don't really like. Um, it's a really unfair tournament, in my opinion. Um, that haven't that's that have said. Uh, I, I'm happy to play a tournament again because yeah. that's you know I, I haven't played a long t- tournament for a long for a very long time and um, yeah I can't wait to play of course and uh, I mean US Open I love New York I I come there already like so many years there also in my singles time in my doubles time I I, I love it. Um, I cannot stay there too long, to be honest. Like after two weeks, I'm getting fed up a little bit with it. But <laughs> it's too busy. Yeah, but the tournament is the tournament is nice. It's it's a huge tournament. Uh, it's, it's you know you play in the biggest uh, biggest arenas in the world, uh, and that's something special. So every year that I'm still playing, uh, of course, I'm happy to play. Yeah, I, yeah. I was hoping to go up there uh, this year, actually, trying to see my first open tournament. But oh, meet meet me up there, man. <laughs> next, year, there. next year, next year. With next the, year, next year. No restrictions, but oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, last Stupid. year I was up there uh, in New York, and we gotta go play on the practice court, so that was really cool. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. um, just a couple quick questions going on, right? Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite shot that you enjoy? My favorite shot, well, it definitely not the volley. <laughs> I have a. I'm hating my volley. Really, <laughs> I'm putting so much work to that. You have no idea. Like I, I at least so last year I, I had a, like a little crisis with my volley, and I, 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 um, I have a traveling coach from Brazil, 
and we were literally working around three to four thousand balls uh, a week just hitting a volley just he from the box he hitting me i put the volley away and then and then, oh, we hit like a few thousand balls like that just to get my volley comfortable um so that resulted in a in a uh, in the in the in the atp win from moscow and the final in the in china which so it was a good result so it helped but it's you know it's a tough uh, it's a tough shot yeah um, but my best shot i would say it's uh, it's the backhand it's a very steady uh, a very steady shot okay and when you're or we're jumping around here but when you're playing no uh doubles and you're playing one i've seen you played i think you played with sitsi pass once and then you're playing mm-hmm. against medvedev when you're mm-hmm. playing these top singles guys do you mm-hmm. see a big difference in um, their capabilities trying to adjust to doubles, or is it pretty much playing against any other doubles player? No, it's it's totally different. If you play against Tsitsipas and Medvedev, they just play singles in a yeah. doubles match. Yeah, there's no there's no adjustment whatsoever. No. So is that something you um, use your advantage, take advantage of? Yeah, but still, then that advantage uh, margin is such a small margin because they overpower you sometimes and and overlevel you with with their other capabilities. <laughs> Um, which is really tough. Uh, so yeah, we can do some double stuff to them, but on the other hand, they're so much better in serving, returning, and hitting. Which is you no, know, you have to compensate that. But it's fun to get to play against these guys. You know, I mean, they're all big names, and um, yeah, and they're also friendly. You know, Tsitsipas is a good friend of mine. I talk to him a lot, and I like him. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's um really exciting. My well, my friend's a big fan of Zverev, um, but I'm a Tsitsipas guy. Zverev guy? So you, uh, uh, yeah, I don't like Zverev. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's my friend. You can uh, call him out. To, uh, his name's Alex. Tell him that. Yeah, Alex, don't like Zverev. He's not nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's okay. He's okay. He always says hi. You know, we, we, always, we talk. But uh, Stefanos, you know, he's like, um, he's also half Russian, same like me. Um, and we always, you know, connect in a good way. So, yeah, that's why. All right, Alan. That's um, all my questions for you, actually, today. Uh, we ran over in time, actually, but no worry, man. Great getting to talk to you. Do you have anything else you just want to share to Seattle people who um, might not necessarily be the tennis, know much about tennis or doubles? Uh, uh, well, you know, a uh, shout out for these people that that uh, um, uh, wants to uh, follow their dreams and have a and, and and be a professional tennis player as I did, and 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 try, you know, always. Um, Whatever happens, try always follow that dream, no matter if it's tennis or another uh, dream in your life. Uh, I'm the I'm the best re- result of that. I was 31 and still made it because I had my perseverance and I always believed in what I could do. And uh, that's the biggest thing I can. That's the biggest message I can bring to people and younger guys. You know, if you follow that dream up, and uh, if you want to be a doubles player, um, look on YouTube, look to other people. Uh, how they move, how they react, how they are positioned, uh, because that's free information, and, and 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 information is key. So yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you again very much for uh, joining me today for this call. Of course, and um, you know, whenever people like to see me in Seattle, just uh, let me know, and uh, I'll be on my way. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, really appreciate him giving our time. And now we're gonna. We still have K Stan here. He is. Um, he's been here the whole time actually, since yep. last week, since we recorded the intro till now. Sitting here, yeah. listening, waiting, never sleeping. Um, K Stan, thank you 
for being K-Stan. Uh, <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> so, since we didn't save the game show audio because we failed because Drew, um, Drew was being Drew. That's not my fault. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Go. <laughs> okay. His staff was just too big. Oh, man. It, it was my fault. Sorry. Yeah, Drew decided to go, uh, go lift the uh, lift the snowballs, and um, <laughs> he forgot to save the audio. Definitely not me. But we're gonna have to do the game show over again with K Stan. That's right. And currently, we have not had time to make questions, so we're coming up with them on the fly. On the fly. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Drew, we're gonna be switching off. I'm gonna ask you the first question. Okay, Stan. All right. This is going to be a little odd. We're going to have some sports stuff mixed in with it, but it's going to be kind of like a special game show, right? Because we got K-Stan on, so we got to make it unique. And you ready? Perfectly ready. Same rules apply. Everyone knows. We're actually doing eight questions this time. Um, first six are multiple choice. Seventh is worth four points free response. And eighth is the double or nothing. First question. This is from one of our listeners, um, Myla Konanen, straight out of Ken Lake <laughs> um, High School. Um, her first question uh, for you today is, if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? And then you have to do an impersonation. And there is a correct answer. So the first uh, option is uh, a cow. Second option is a duck. Third option is a llama. And fourth option is a trash can. I'm gonna have to go for the llama. Okay. Um, you gotta say why. Um, well, you know, so the first two, the cow and the duck, you know, those are animals that get eaten and I don't wanna be eaten. Uh and for the trash can, I mean that's that's pretty tempting, you know. I'm I've been called the trash man plenty of times before in my life. So but you know, I don't I don't think a trash can is an animal. Uh, you know, it's that might be a little bit of a hot take. Um I will not you, be you, checking the Instagram comments. <laughs> um, yeah, man, you're really trying to argue with our questions here. Um, Sports Neil Nation is going to come at you. That's right. With um, Muggsy Bogues as their leader. Yeah, Muggsy, <laughs> Muggsy Bogues on stilts is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Um, so, so what sound do you think a llama makes? I can't tell you. That would be giving away the answer. <laughs> Do you want a hint? No, he doesn't get hints till later, man. No, I was just gonna say he doesn't get a hint. But... Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. Yeah. yeah you want a hint, Kistan? Yeah. I mean, I've actually ridden a llama before, but it was surprisingly quiet. Uh, it did spit though. Are you going? And hello, <laughs> someone walked into the laundry room, which I am currently <laughs> occupying. Do you have class tonight? Hmm. Do you have class tonight? No. Want to go to Uncle Joseph's? Sure. Well, what's another little fiasco, considering we already recorded this episode? Shout out Uncle um, Joseph. Yeah, Uncle Joseph. Uncle uh, Joey, baby. Uh, yeah, Army, or no, he's Special Forces. He's probably only going to be here for like three days. Um, Alright, but llama noises. Uh, don't. I'll, I'll pretend they sound like a squeaky bed and go like... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh Alright, while your llama impression was on point... Uh, uh, yeah, we're gonna go. It was on point. It was perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately, the correct answer is a duck. Oh damn! And wow. there's no reasoning behind that. It's just it is. Yeah, I. You know, I should have known. 
you know, llamas are terrible animals. They stink like shit and they spit on people. Uh, but, you know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. That is true. All right, Drew. Question number two. All right, we're bringing it back to football. So, it's kind of easy one. But who had the goal line interception in Super Bowl 49? Was it Malcolm Butler? Logan Ryan? Oh, I can't do this guy's name. I just blanked. Oh, um, uh, Richard Sherman. <laughs> or Ian McCune. Oh, dude, it's obviously Ian McCune, you know. <laughs> He's a great guy, great personality. He's like 5'2", though. Shorter than Muggsy Bogues. Uh, <laughs> uh, I need to stop saying his name or I am actually going to pay for it. But are um, going to attack him in this episode. It was Malcolm Butler. Correct. Nice, nice. Wait, was Super Bowl 49 the Seahawks one? We lost that one. Okay, cool. Seahawks Patriots. Um, no, question number three. Um, let's think here. Okay, last year NBA question, right? Right. Philadelphia 76ers versus the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game seven. It's in Toronto. Okay. Sixers are up. Uh, I don't remember the score, but they were up by. Two, I think. I think it was two. And who comes running down the court and scores the winning bucket? Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Wait, let's rephrase that. Let's rephrase that. Okay, so someone shoots a three-pointer, okay, from the Raptors to win because obviously right. they go to the finals. And um, not saying the, the it was rigged or anything, but the bucket kind of moved a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> um, the I mean, wind if, is if, the wind. If you saw the clip, the ball bounced like twenty million times. Who was the player who shot it? We got option number one, Kyle Lowry. We got option number two, Demar Derozan. Option number three, Kawhi Leonard, and option number four, Alex Caruso. Um, I think it was Kawhi Leonard. You gonna lock that in? Uh, yeah, I think I might. Are you sure his name is Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, sure. Like, are you sure he doesn't have another name? Are you sure he's a person? <laughs> no, it's obvi- It's the fun guy, the Terminator, the robot. What it do, baby? You are right. <laughs> no, you know, it was obviously Jeremy Lin. I can't believe he reignited Lin's sanity in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> I'm here for him. I am Jeremy Lin, if you ever hear this, I love you like... A fan can only love one basketball player. <laughs> Alex Caruso, man. Yeah, sorry, Alex. Um, we're going to try to get him on the show, actually. We'll see how that goes. Drew, question number four. All right. Which of the following vegetables is not an ingredient in V8 juice? <laughs> beets, carrots, spinach, or cabbage? God, I hope it's beets. Please let it be beets. <laughs> Is it beet? Final answer? Yeah, beets. No, it's cabbage. Mother, I hate beets. <laughs> I've had V8 juice, man. It's not that bad, to be honest. I, I, I've had V8. It's okay, but I hate beets, man. I no, the beet juice Colmado. is kind of good, man. You're, you're sleeping. Oh. <laughs> I do be sleeping. Okay. Um, what is this? Question number five? Yep. Okay, how many do you have right so far? I think it's two. It's yeah, I think two, it's two. Right. I think you got the two sports questions right. Lucky nice. for you, we're not doing a sports question right here. 
which vegetable is man-made? Um, food questions now. Yeah. So you you understand what I'm saying with this, right? It's man-made. It wasn't actually yeah. real. Food. Okay. We got option number one. We got carrots. We got option option number two. We got lettuce. Option number three. We've got uh um what's the vegetable? Uh beets. Oh, option number not... four. We've got broccoli. Uh broccoli. How do you know that? I I actually know a little bit about that. It used to be like uh, wild mustard or something like that. Okay, yeah, that kind of rocked my world, man. When I found that out, that, that yeah, threw me was, for a loop. That that was crazy when I found it out. All right, Drew. Um, let's go. You got your first vegetable question right. Yeah, right, let's go. Um, let's eat your greens, kids. I got a lot of these food questions, so <laughs> kind of blow through them. Um, let's see. Uh, marzipan is a made. Is made oh, with what kind so of nut? An almond, oh. cashew, pecan, or walnut? Oh, that's easy. Cashew. Ooh, man. You're really wait, n- wait, no. Final? Is it almonds? It's almonds. There you go. You got it. It's almonds. There we go. I, I, my brain just turned off. I was going to say chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fifth option, actually. Is that? Is that? Is yeah, that, you know. Is that four for six or three for six? Four for six. Four for six. He's okay. cruising. I'm, I'm popping off. This is exactly how you did on the last one, man. Yeah, this is this is actually a little worse than I did on the last one. I was a perfect six for six. I'm uh-huh, kind of uh-huh. disappointed. This is showing your versatility. Okay, we're going hardcore now. This is no multiple choice questions, and we're going away from the vegetables, unfortunately. Damn it. We're going to sports. <laughs> In 1990, two major league greats made baseball history by becoming the first father-son duo to hit back-to-back home runs in an MLB game. Name that father-and-son duo. Oh, that's that's very simple. Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. I'm sorry, man. It was actually Cashew Jr. and Sr. Ah, oh, oh, it was a food question. <laughs> it was a trick question. Okay, um, yeah, you got that right. So, K-Stan is now, what is it? You had four. Oh, you're eight. Five out of seven. No, that was worth four points. Ooh. You're eight. Okay, so you won the merch. Yes, cough on my shirt. Do you want want to risk it for double or nothing, though, to secure your place on sports sports needle history? Well, yeah, I feel like I got an unfair advantage because this is my second time, so let's risk it all. That's true. Let's find a good one here. I'm on Bleacher Report. Um... We're looking through some sports questions. Oh, this is a good one. It's an animal sports question. Huh? It's a what? There's an animal in the picture. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, hold up. Let me uh, uh, let me read it. I don't. No, I, don't I get think. It. I, let me look for one. Oh, oh, shoot! This is good. This is good. Okay, K. Stan, this is your optional question. Okay. Okay. This isn't worth anything. Uh, let's do a real one first. Then I'll give you the optional one. Okay. Okay. This is good. This is good. Everyone knows that Hall of Fame great MJ. I'm not, of course, talking about Michael Beasley. Um, nah, I'm talking about Michael B. Jordan of uh, Avatar. Yep, yep. Nah, JK. We're actually talking about Michael Jordan of the Bulls. Who would have guessed? Um, he played. Who did he play for? He played for NC, UNC, the Tar Heels, right? Yeah. Who did he actually want to play for? Because you know what? Actually, when he was growing up, he was a fan of NC State. All right. 
Who did he want to play for, actually, though? And you get three uh, hints. Three hints. All right, let's let's get these hints. Oh, no, going. no, no. This one's only one. No, no, no. This is double nothing. My bad. I am failing here. Three hints. Three answers. Okay. Okay. Wait. Three hints. Three answers. You get three guesses. I mean, sorry. Oh, okay. It's a rough day here at podcast. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get the first hint going. Okay. Um, his name is Michael Jordan. All right. Uh, is it UCLA? What? <laughs> this guy, this guy, this guy, no, no way he did not look this up. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, th- throw another question. Never mind. That was too easy. Wait, you looked it up. You knew that? No, I didn't look it up. You knew that? I didn't know it. I just guessed UCLA. How? Oh my god. That was actually uh one of the three colleges that rejected me. Hey yo, same bro. So I'm so I'm I'm in good company with Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I I actually told him to reject me, so I could be with MJ. <laughs> I don't know, man. You want Okay, we'll give you the fun one. We're going to put you that's a deserving answer, man. We're going to give you six uh what was that? 16 points for this week's episode. Oh yeah. You will have an asterisk next to it. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah, just okay. like the Astros. But here's your fun question for fun. I've been shooting knowledge pills into my brain. <laughs> there was someone banging a trash can. <laughs> In nineteen twenty, University of Texas, the football players had their mascot at their annual banquet. Under less than ideal circumstances. What were these circumstances? Sorry, can I hear the question again? <laughs> that was like the Matrix in the question. <laughs> so, the mascot was at their banquet, okay? Which, you mean, which, you, uh... The Texas, the Longhorns, they had a mascot. Right. And uh, he was at their banquet. Mm-hmm. He was there under less than ideal circumstances from the perspective of a, um, Longhorn animal. <laughs> what were those circumstances? And let me tell you, he was the guest of honor. Uh, he was set on fire. <laughs> you get three guesses? That's one. How many hints? Uh, zero, because this is for fun. Okay, okay, okay. Did you get um, one was he one shot? Hint. No. Okay. Connor, you gotta give him a hint. Like, hint, he was fattened hint. up. They fattened him up first. What? What? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, if you if they're fattening him up, um, did they serve him on a grill? He was the main course of the banquet. Hey, I was close. <laughs> they um brutally slaughtered him and served him as the main course. Okay. Because <laughs> our boy Bevo, the Longhorn, was um too expensive. And they, he wasn't tame enough to roam wild, so they just um, decided to get some free lunch. Oh my god, that's insane. They actually killed the longhorn. That's sad. Sad facts of the day. Yeah, uh, kids, if you're listening, kids underneath the age of 13, uh, you're at the perfect time to go vegan. <laughs> Don't eat a longhorn. So, with that said, that is our game show for today with K-Stan, McFarlane, K-Dizzle, K-Swizzle. Yep. 
Um, he got 16 out of 8. He did the impossible. He the is at the top score. of our leaderboards. He is with an asterisk by his name. We'll send him some merch over. Um, we'll make custom merch for you, actually. We'll put Perfect. Bevo. We'll put Bevo the Longhorn on it for you. Yeah, please. I I wouldn't I wouldn't accept anything less. Um. With that said, anything you want to say? How was this experience for you? Um. Oh yeah. I mean, it was great both times. First time was great. Second time was even better because I didn't get zero points. <laughs> uh, remember to save the audio this time though, because if there is a third time, I will be eating Bevo in the background. <laughs> I think we might just delete this audio to hear that. <laughs> and um anything else you want to say to our Seattle sports fans um our sports fans from oh hold up we got a shout out we gotta remember we did this in the last episode shout out to our boys in um kent for being the major followers shout out to our boys in Cubtown for following that up shout out to our boys in um where is it our boys in um, Seattle. Yeah, of course, we're Seattle Sports Podcast. We are boys in Seattle, making up 4% of our following. Shout out to LA. Go Clippers. Go Kawhi uh, in LA. Go Taco Tuesday. Um, and shout out to our guys in Niceville. Special thank you to you guys. We don't know where you are, but uh, we support you regardless. Also, um, shout out to UCLA. You may have rejected me, but your campus is beautiful. Dang. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, with that said, K-Stan, any final message you want to say again? Um, yeah, uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, kids, eat your vegetables. And I, I, that's pretty good. Pretty good, pretty solid. Um, K-Stan will get Michael Bennett on the show. I'm going to work really hard if that wasn't my Wi-Fi dying. I think Connor, uh, just dipped. Well, I think we should probably sit here until he gets back so he can download the audio. Yeah, I'm back, so it's not a podcast episode without me unplugging my mic. Um, yeah, so what K-Stan <laughs> oh <my> said, <laughs> um, we'll have Michael Bennett on the show. We'll go. Uh, he'll go one-on-one with K-Stan with their um, impersonations of uh, llamas, and <clears throat> that'll be fire. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like, uh, follow, and subscribe, not on YouTube, but on Instagram and Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and all those good places. Uh, give us feedback, leave comments, uh, spam K-Stan's account with Muggsy Bogues pictures, and yeah, you won't get that reference because you didn't listen to the first episode recording of this because it doesn't exist anymore, but just do it anyways for me. Don't and, worry, it's really funny if you're me or Connor. Or Drew. And with that said, we'll wrap it up. Um, looking forward next year, uh, weeks, we're hopefully going to have... We're going to have James Dog, James Dog, Brett Jamie on the show, uh, star athlete, coach of Kent Lake Baseball. We're going to have Brent Pella, comedian out of L.A., and we're going to have Aaron Steinberg from the Zap Podcast with Bond Memory, Menry. and hopefully we'll get Jake Locker on here, Michael Bennett. Going to be good. Looking forward. Thanks for tuning in, and um, with that said, last message of today, eat your vegetables, eat almond paste. Peace out. Go walnuts. Cashews. Yeah, cashews, cashews. See it. (laughs) This is the Sports Needle. Let's go, Sports Needle.